Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for jumping on board along with my co-host of more than five years, R.G. Seal. And the friendship goes back a long way. We've driven two hours to see Ken Caminetti in a Padres uniform. And I don't know if you remember this, R.G., but they turned Ken Caminetti uh, and a particular song that was popular at the time into a song at the stadium, and you might have heard something like this. people didn't turn off the radio and say what did i just subscribe to here that i'm hearing like a macarena type song again i was trying to get away from that i could just see people you know like doing that but maybe they're also doing the macarena at home and doing those crazy arm motions and dance that's associated with it i don't know but it's like one of those gangnam style things right that just like everybody like was a craze for a while so caminetti hey that was a good one for it hey it's about that time you know everything from the 90s now coming back the the macarena the caminetti uh Maybe we could incorporate that into one of the uh, current Astros players. The uh, who who would be the perfect guy to? You can't do it with the Bragman. There's not enough syllables, I guess. The the Marisnik. Can we do it with Marisnik now or something? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, it's official now. Marwin Gonzalez, uh, unfortunately, will not be an Astro this year. He signs with the Twins, and uh, we're never going to forget this moment. Game two of the World Series. How can we forget? Gonzalez. It's one in the air into left center field. Back at the wall, and it is gone. Tie game in the ninth. Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah, one hell of a moment. And uh, Lance McCullers spoke for Astro Nation. He said, quote, good luck and congrats to one of the most underrated players in the history of baseball. Your impact on our clubhouse and team will be lasting. One of the most clutch hitters and best defenders around. Uh, Alex Bregman on Instagram said, so thankful to have you as a teammate, mentor, and friend. You have taught me so much about the game of baseball and also a ton of Spanish. Yeah, we know that. We know that story. You have undoubtedly the biggest swing in franchise history. And I still get chills watching the replay of it. You will always be one of my favorite teammates, but more importantly, one of my friends for life. Love you forever, bro. You knew Bregman was going to End it with the bro RG and uh, want to get your thoughts on Marwin Gonzalez. Two years, $21 million. He's gone. 
well, we kind of saw this day coming. I mean, it's it's disappointing because, again, he was one of the championship players on the 2017 Astros, and he'll always be remembered, like you said, off of Kenley Jansen at Dodger Stadium when the Astros looked like they were going to be going home, down 0-2, hits that magnificent home run. The Astros end up winning in extra innings, and it changes the whole complexion of the series. I mean, even the way that the Dodgers had to use their bullpen from that point forward. I mean, so Marlon Gonzalez will always have a place in Houston hearts and Houston history. That being said, at the very beginning of the offseason, I mean, Jeff Luno hinted at this. I mean, the, the Astros went out and traded for uh, Alameda's Diaz, who can play multiple positions uh, much cheaper. And then they also went and signed Michael Brantley. So that took up a spot in the outfield. And and I know that there could have been some other places where they could have stuck Marwin Gonzalez, but he didn't have a, a sure spot anymore. And he was going to get a you know multi-year contract and it ended up being two years, 21 million. But still, that's more with what the Astros are paying for Michael Brantley and then acquiring Alameda's Diaz. And, you know, with what else they might want to do with like a Tony Kemp and some of their other people on their roster to bring back Marwin Gonzalez as valuable as he's been. It was just something they decided to pass on. I would have given him two years and $21 million if I were the Astros. I mean, obviously you didn't know that when the whole offseason was uh, taking right. place. The dominoes were falling, so you had no idea what was going to happen. But if that's all that was, then, you know, to me it was worth trying to bring Marwin back at that price. And it's just surprising, RG, that, you know, somebody with Marwin's value that he couldn't get at least a three-year deal, you know, for for somebody that's 29 years old at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe that's why he wants to go back out. But hey, this is a guy that hadn't had a, a big contract like this in his career. So you have to congratulate them on that. He's going to a place in Minnesota where he'll be playing every single day. I mean, I know he got that with the Astros. But again, uh, you know, it was usually through injury or through some kind of lineup hole. And, uh, you know, that's where Marlins versatility is so great i mean he'll definitely help the twins out and like you said if the astros had made him known that throughout i think they were probably expecting you know what this guy's going to get a four or five year deal he's probably going to get you know 10 to 12 million per year and just with the other contracts that we have coming up and what we want to be able to you know sign some guys to some extensions and do this and then all of a sudden you have you know these other players that you don't think even you know now we know it's a two-year deal. Like you said, it's much different, but the Astros had already signed Michael Brantley at this point. They already had uh, made the trade for, for Diaz. They already you know, are out of options on a couple of other players that they would have to move if they signed you know, Marwin. It's just like you know, they just felt that, that you know, to bring him back at that price. And he did have a career year in 2017, slipped back some in 2018. So you have to wonder, just from a bat standpoint, you know, is he going to be able to kind of go back to what he was in 2017? Is that just a career year? And you're going to be paying him for that. But, yeah, like you said, I think if they had thought just two years at the very beginning of the offseason, but that's how things move quickly in baseball. You know, one thing happens and then you you shift to plan B, C, D, and, you know, you, you your your needs change, your wants change. I mean, they never thought that Dallas, Dallas Keuchel would be out there on the open market right now. We're in we're into playing spring games already, and Dallas Keuchel's out un, unsigned. That's still kind of mind-boggling to me. Josh James is not going to be in the rotation this year, RG, because of a right quad strain to start the year anyway. And that is a good thing because I, I felt like Josh James was better served in the bullpen. What we saw of him last year was a guy that once he get, got past two innings, uh, it looked like he just didn't have the gas in the tank or the type of pitches, the number of pitches to go longer in, into a uh, 
into like a, what you would need out of a starter, basically. And I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of happy. I'm not happy that he's hurt. You know, as long as it's minor, it's good that, you know, he's going to be in the bullpen. And that's where, you know, I would like to see him. I would not say that was a good thing. I guess I'm glad you kind of qualified that because, A, any type of injury, it's worrisome, even a quad injury. And then it kind of pushes back his schedule in spring training. And, you know, I, look, I want to see a guy go out there where you can get your most ability from is from starting. And like you, I mean, if they have to move him to the bullpen because that's where the needs are served. But first, I mean, if he was pitching phenomenally and stretched out during the spring and throwing up zeros on there, well, then I would want him in the rotation, you know, because he showed last year he can throw 100 miles per hour. He can give you, uh, you know, got a good change up. He's been working on the slider. He can do those things for you. Uh, and if if he has those three pitches and they're working and you can pitch him for multiple innings as a starter, that's good. But like you said, he also has the ability to come out of the bullpen. And right now, you know, the Astros, I mean, they they do have some bullpen arms, but to have that weapon back there too, I mean, that's also going to be a good thing once he starts this season and hopefully he'll be healthy to start the season. You know, he can, the, the, the good thing is he's like a peacock, you know, who's also in competition for the, the fifth spot and that he can both start and relieve. So I wouldn't be surprised at some point this year of Josh James, you know, gets underway and he's pitching well out of the bullpen and, you know, he's kind of been stretched out some if he does get some starts in there too. You know, as we know, beginning of spring training, you know, you by the end of spring training, excuse me, when you're ready to start the regular season, you know, it's just very fortunate. The Astros last year, they basically used their five pitchers until the end of the season when when Lance McCullers kind of went on the disabled list but and had those injury problems. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, you're going to be going seven or eight deep in a rotation during the season. And hopefully you don't go to like 14 or 15 pitchers and have just multiple DL stints because that's usually a disaster. So staying healthy is always a key. So now that he's not one of the starters, who would you want to see there? You want to see Brad Peacock, uh, Framber Valdez, uh, who, who who would be your guy? Well, it's early to say. I mean, I like what Framber Valdez did last year. And, you know, he to me, he has this the ability to be a good starter because he can yeah, he, he kind of pitches to contact. He's kind of another, uh, you know, Dallas Keuchel. He's a, a lefty. And I know they signed Wade Miley, so he's going to be in the rotation. So there's not pushing, you know. If they didn't have Wade Miley, you'd be thinking to yourself, well, they really need to have a lefty in the rotation because some of the matchups that you face against other teams that, you know, can be advantageous with a with a lefty starter out there. But now there's not that pressure with Wade Miley. So it's whoever's going to pitch better. You know, in the spring, Brad Peacock shown he was an excellent starter. Remember in 2017, we were saying this guy was the best pitcher on the Astros staff. I mean, uh, you know, for a lot of the season. And he was a big postseason hero too, coming out of the bullpen. So, and even starting some games. So it's not like you're again, going back to Colin McHugh and Brad Peacock, if they have to be in the rotation. It's not necessarily a bad thing. We were just spoiled last year because that was a historic starting rotation. That starting five was doing things that you hadn't seen since the early 1970 Baltimore Orioles. Anybody I'm forgetting uh, in the fifth spot, because AJ Hinch said Whitley, Forrest Whitley, uh, Corbin Martin, and J.B. Bukowskis are not options for breaking out of camp. They're not ready to jump into a rotation. Well, they yet. talked about like a, a, a Cienel Perez, you know, who's another left-hander, the Cuban, that could potentially be in there. Uh, Rogelio Armentos, I always pronounce his name wrong. Armenteros, I think. Armenteros, and then, and then Brady Rogers. And Brady Rogers is, of course, he had the uh, Tommy John surgery coming back from that. You know, so he's he, and he got the first start of the spring, as a matter of fact, for the Astros. So you, you kind of look at those guys as longer shots. It's basically going to probably come down to 
between Peacock and Valdez, and I'd say probably a little bit leaning towards Peacock right now, only because he has the greater major league experience. And if he pitches as a strong spring, you would think, yeah, you can just slot him in there. He's already done this before. And, uh, you know, A.J. Hinch has a lot of confidence in him. But he was also very good out of the bullpen. So he's, again, another one of those swing arms that you can use as a bridge. That's where the Astros, I mean, and especially they did say they're going to be going if springs, if they broke camp right now, A.J. Hinch said there would be 13 position players and 12 pitchers, which is not what they've done the last few years. It's been 12 position players and 13 pitchers because guys like Tony Kemp, and uh, Tyler White are out of options. And if the Astros send them back down, they're exposed to waivers. They can be claimed by another team. So, you know, they're out of options. So they they need to keep them on the major league roster. So unless a trade is made, it's most likely going to be guys who can pitch like a Framber Valdez, uh, a Brad Peacock, who can give you that just aren't, you know, an inning or two relievers because they can maybe move back and forth between the rotation or give you multiple innings out of the pen. Well, one of the keys that you said right there is that Tony Kemp and Tyler White being out of options, they're going to be up. So does Kyle Tucker, does that mean if he's going to be up at all at any point this year, it's either going to be because of injury or one of those two guys are going to have to be dealt or somebody's going to have to be dealt, right? Pretty much, yes. Because look at your outfield right now. Who's your outfield? George Springer in center, right field Josh Reddick, and they signed Michael Brantley to play left field. So you have... I mean, Michael Brantley could also DH and then you call up Kyle Tucker. They could, you know, do that. But you want Michael Brantley's bat in there every single day. So you have your outfield positions taken, which leaves you with the DH, whether it's sharing between Tyler White, you know, Tony Kemp or, you know, Diaz or whomever you want there to like take that DH spot. And and then you have like Jake Marisnik as your fourth outfielder coming there late for defense. Yeah, that's one of the things like Kyle Tucker really doesn't have a position unless somebody was traded. And then you could say, OK, we can add Kyle Tucker to the roster but I think he probably starts off the season at triple a and then if he's playing really well and the and one of the other guys in the outfields not other than George Springer of course and, and Michael Brantley because of the way they signed him in the free agency I'm talking about like even Josh Reddick has the multi-year contract I mean it would be more somebody if somebody's not performing in the lineup like a Tyler White then you might look to call up a uh, Kyle Tucker there and then because you could use it to where you're splitting the DH time among some of the other players and then you could put Kyle Tucker in the outfield. But to me, it's more like somebody. Yeah, what you said, an injury or a trade that opens up a, a natural spot for him and he just plays every single day. Nationally, the big news, Bryce Harper signs a contract finally with a team. <laughs> Well, I hope it would be with a team. It's not a recording contract and he's going to go off and, you know, go on a world tour. What do you think? What do you think of the deal? You know, I was a little bit surprised by it just because of a couple of things. It's a 13-year, $330 million deal. Remember, a week ago, it was Manny Machado, three, $300 million, 10 years with the San Diego Padres. But Manny Machado will be a, a free agent at, at 36. You know, this is a 13-year deal for Bryce Har Harper with no opt-outs. So that means he's not even opting out. I mean, if things don't go smoothly or... Or swimmingly, his first few years with the Phillies, or if he's discontented there at, at all, then he's, you know, he's part of the Phillies. You know, I mean, he's signed this long-term deal, and then he has that that you know no trade clause. But I mean, average value, Machado's average value is going to be thirty million, pretty easy. Ten years, three hundred million, thirty million a year. Bryce Harper's taking twenty-five million, a little over twenty-five million a year for thirteen years. 
So then, and again, I mean, that's, he's in Philadelphia for his career. He'll be almost 40 when this contract is done. I'm just looking at from the Phillies perspective, they really need to win right now because we've seen with Bryce Harper, he had his MVP season, but some of the other years, I mean, he can hit the home runs, you know, and, and, and Citizens Bank ballpark in Philadelphia. I mean, you've seen it. It's, it's a perfect hitters park. So he'll love that, you know, pitting in that stadium. I think that was a factor in there as well. He can put up big numbers there. But Bryce Harper's had some injury problems over the course of his career. So I don't know with that contract, just the way that baseball's going, if you're going to want to be, you know, we've seen that with Albert Pujols, you know, as great of a hitter as he was. Different Bryce Harper's a different type player. I mean, he's an outfielder, but he's not a speedy guy. And, you know, he's not somebody that, you know, again, he's had some injury problems over the years. So I think that contract, towards the latter part of his 30s, I mean, that's going to be something to watch. So again, to me, it's like the Phillies right now, they went and traded for Gene Segura. They traded for JT Realmuto, and they already had Reese Hopkins there, and they signed Andrew McCutcheon. They've got a strong like lineup that they're building over there. You know, they got that young talent. They signed the Aaron to that contract extension, so they have the ace starter. Uh, they went and signed Jake Arrieta last year. They uh, signed David Robertson this offseason out of the bullpen. They've been rumored for Dallas Keuchel even. So they've made a lot of additions. They're going for it. Signing Bryce Harper means that over the next three or four years, they want to be the dominant team out of the NL, NL East, you know, and they've got him under contract for many years. And so, I mean, it's it's – to me, the short term, great deal because, I mean, only $25 million year a year to Bryce Harper over the next four or five years. If you were to offer that contract to anybody this offseason, they would say, yeah, that's totally – it's the fact that you've got to guarantee it over the next 13 years. The other thing is if you're Bryce Harper, you're going to Philadelphia and be prepared for a rain of boos uh, at <laughs> your baseball bat if you decide you're going to start off hitting – 210 or whatever he was doing last year and he hit you know 249 for the season Phillies fans are not going to like that uh, a couple of years ago uh, his batting average was 243 I mean he needs to be having these years like he did in 2015 to 2017 like the Astros you know he's been really really good in odd years although they were great last year until the playoffs but uh, really really good in odd years and he's an MVP candidate in those years and you know put up these extraordinary numbers but he seems like the perfect guy for Philly, doesn't he, RG? Kind of in your face. Everybody hates him. I don't know if everybody hates Bryce Harper. I mean, you know, I mean, he was – I was a little bit – I thought that, you know, hey, the West Coast where, you know, he's he's out of Las Vegas and, you know, it, it could go play in the National League West. But those ballparks are big. Dodger Stadium's a big ballpark. In San Francisco, of course, other than Barry Bonds, no real left-handers have had much power success there. So if he's really looking at long-term legacy, he picked the best part park not only for the amount of money the Phillies it sounds like offered him the most money but also for the chance to hit in a park where he can put up better numbers and he stays in a comfort zone he's been in the NL East with the Washington Nationals so he knows that division he knows that uh the National League East so I think that that was you know all those things were factors for him but I mean of course it always comes down to the money but I think that you're right about that as far as as Philadelphia it's it's a city that they don't have much patience. So, I mean, if he starts out slow out of the gate, I mean, they're like Yankees fans. I mean, they'll start, you know, it's not like the Padres with Monty Machado. They'll love that guy for the next two or three years, no matter what he does. I mean, if, if you're not competing in Philly and the Phillies are in third or fourth place in July and Bryce Harper has his used contract and isn't performing, they'll be raining booze on him and talk radio will be lit up. So, I mean, from that perspective, I, I think it's good for the sport, too, because it's like, yeah, it, it will light some controversy or fire because Philly 
Philly fans ha- are fickle. Isn't he like a Lenny Dykstra, though, or Allen Iverson? Is he's kind of a love him or hate him kind of guy? You don't think so? No, I think that's more for – look, in Washington, he was beloved. People really liked him. But he's not an arrogant guy. He's pretty popular. He's one of the most popular players in Major League Baseball and in most clubs. I mean, it was, like with Manny Machado, when you were talking about – like, remember when he signed the contract last week? He said, oh, I don't always hustle during the postseason. That made a lot of noise. Or he had the dirty plays where, the you know, the slide with Dustin Pedroia or, you know, going to first base against uh, the Brewers and the NLCS, you know, where uh, he's a dirty player. But it's never anything like that with Bryce Harper. I mean, it's just Bryce Harper's – I think the reason people maybe resent him and maybe what you're talking about is that he came in as the, the oh, hey, you know, number one overall pick and he's going to be this superstar and preordained and he's going to be baseball's best player. And he did with the NL MVP, but the baseball's best player, as we know – like a Mike Trout. And then, you know, you've seen guys like Aaron Judge and now Alex Bregman and Nolan Arenado. We didn't even mention that. He just signed a huge contract. So, I mean, there are other guys that have kind of maybe even climbed over Bryce Harper, but he's still a very popular personality or figure. He might be the most recognizable player, even more so than Mike Trout, just to casual sports fan. People know who Bryce Harper is. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you, too, because the Astros have a lot of decisions to make. Do you sign like Carlos Correa? You sign like Alex Bregman, of course, who is already beloved by Houston fans. Both those guys are. They've already signed Jose Altuve. But I, I, I wanted to ask you that Nolan Arenado contract with Colorado, he signed an extension basically saying, I want to be in Colorado my whole career. And he was the guy that was supposed to be coming up on the free agent market that everybody was going to go after. And now Mike Trout, of course, after this signing, he can set his sights more than 330 because, I mean, he's the best player in all of baseball and he'll be a free agent. So the Angels know their price has just gone up again. Um, but what about the Astros? How do you look at this with players, some of them hitting the free agent market, like a Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, and another like Nolan Arenado, who everybody thought would hit the free agent market and decided to sign an extension? A couple of things. First of all, Correa's got to show that he's healthy for a couple of years before the Astros are going to consider doing anything like they did with Nolan Arenado. I I think it could be something that we see in the future because if you're a team that, you know, has spent all of this time and energy and effort into a prospect, into a grade-A prospect like a Bryce Harper, in the Astros case, Bregman, Springer, Correa. Um, Springer, it's too late now, but with Bregman and Correa, those would be the two guys that you would think of in terms of Nolan Arenado, where you sign them to that early extension so you have them and you're paying all the big money to them in the years where they're in their prime, as opposed to, you know, they hit free agency at age 28 or 29 years old. And then if you want to give them that big extension, it's going to be into their late 30s. You know, what what they're doing with Bryce Harper, which I don't even know if they had to do that. But that's what we're talking about. So, yeah, it it, it, it just depends. I think it totally depends on the player. It depends on, you know, how much money Jim Crane's going to want to give out because he's got, you know, Altuve already lined up. I don't know what you're going to do with Verlander. I mean, they've got a mess right now. Verlander, Garrett Cole, there's a lot of guys that you got to figure out who's worth it to spend the money on and who isn't. But the Astros, you know, they've got some issues there. The other thing, RG, that is interesting about this Bryce Harper deal, he's a Boris client. We're recording this Thursday afternoon, late Thursday afternoon. It's very possible that the next step for them is going to be Keuchel because, it seems like Boris has just been waiting to get some of his other guys signed once Bryce Harper set the market and Dallas Keuchel is a Boris client. So there could be a domino effect with some other Boris clients, some other people around baseball in general, but especially with the Boris clients. The question is, if you're Dallas Keuchel is, 
did they wait too long? Because he's got to get himself going. He's got to get himself into camp. You know, how long do you have before you can give the Phillies what you want? And you might want to put up some good numbers in the next couple of years. Because what if it is only maybe he can only get a two year deal like a Marwin Gonzalez? We don't know what's going to happen there. No, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, time's ticking away for a Dallas Keuchel because you can say, oh, I'm, I'm keeping in shape. Everybody always does. And I think he told Mark Berman, you know, I feel good. I'm, you know, ready, ready to go for whomever signs me. But you, you, you're not getting up against major league batters. I mean, they've already started spring games. They're already starting to stretch pitchers out for the regular season. And you got to meet new teammates. So as, you know, easy as a Dallas Keuchel's delivery is, it's still, I mean, he's coming – to a new, it probably be joining a new organization. Let's face it, at this point, you know, so he's going to be going, you know, now, like you said, with the Bryce Harper signing. I mean, maybe Philadelphia. They said, "Hey, we've got you know stupid money to spend." They still could add to their rotation, and they mentioned Dallas Keuchel earlier. They probably wanted to again with Bryce Harper. They wanted to solidify that deal, but they could move in that direction. Or another club that was thinking of spending for Bryce Harper might say to Dallas Keuchel. You know, okay, we have some money for the next two or three years. Join our rotation. You know, he's been mentioned with the Braves. He's been mentioned with the Padres. Uh, I mean, he's been mentioned with all sorts of clubs that are in need of some more starting pitching. So, I mean, we'll see where where Dallas Keuchel ends up. But yeah, I mean, I to me, it's like kind of getting down where he needs to sign a contract, and at least it should with Bryce Harper finally signing. And Manny Machado last week, those were the two biggest names on the board. So now everybody else can look and say, okay, well, uh, the rest of the free agents out there, uh, let's start signing them. Something happened this week, RG, that I'm really frustrated with. And you know me, you know I'm not going to like this. The Major League Baseball bigwigs decided that they're going to put off the 20-second pitch clock till 2022. So that's not this year. That's not next year. That's not the year after. And this is an issue with baseball that's not going away. You're you're losing people because the games are way too long. It's a major issue. The 20-second pitch clock, it could have taken some major time off of a game. The other part is, RG, you know, I was looking back there. I found this piece, and I don't know if you recall this piece, but there was a piece a couple of years ago where they took a game from 2014 and a game from 1984. And they were trying to figure out the factors that have changed between why the games have gotten so much longer. And when they did it, they picked a game that had the same number of pitches. It was the same score, the same number of runs. I mean, it was, they were almost identical games 30 years apart. And the biggest difference, forget the commercials. The commercials, obviously, the time of commercials changed, obviously, but... It wasn't that that was the big chunk. There was 30 minutes that had changed on just the time it took guys to deliver the pitch, like from when nothing happens, like there's a a, a called ball, a swinging strike, whatever. The ball doesn't go into play. It's not fouled off. And it was, it's ridiculous. It was, it was like 30 minutes. And, and, and that means a ton. I mean, the only concern that I've heard about in the minor leagues, and there's not enough data really on this yet, but there has been an increase in the injury rate with the shorter pitch clocks. And I think that's something maybe they're going to look at, but can we at least make a 25 second pitch clock? Can we at least put a pitch clock in some way, somehow, so we can speed these games along? Because sometimes if you put a 25 second pitch clock, you know, guys might start 20 seconds. They might do it in 20 seconds. It's going to, it's going to start bringing down the time a little bit. And if you just put in a pitch clock, I think it will help. Even if it, you know, if it's not as much as we would like, it's going to do a little bit and it'll speed up the rate of play a little bit. And even Mark Texera, former player, 
he he wants this. He says it's a good idea. Well, again, I think they, what you just said there, the last part about like maybe an uptick in injuries and they want to evaluate it longer at the minor league level. But the other thing is they also want to be able to have, you know, another bargaining chip at the players still want to be able to, to hold that out for when they, you know, negotiate their next labor contract. So but, but when you talk about the labor contract and I heard about that, you know, as p- being a part of the deal as well. And yeah, I, I, I understand where that's coming from, but as fans are concerned, the last thing that you care about is a bunch of millionaires and billionaires arguing over this labor situation. Everybody's getting rich. And meanwhile, as a fan, you're falling asleep while you're watching a game. And meanwhile, the money that you're going to start bringing in is going to start diminishing if there's less fans watching the games on television. And over the years, I think that's what's happening as we move on and on. These games get longer and longer and you're losing that fan that's 14, 13, 12, 10 that's on their smartphones and they're like, I don't have, I don't want to watch that. I'd rather play a video game on my iPhone. Well, I think that's for any sport. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, these days it's just like, uh, you know, you're going to be competing with esports and video games, but right. You know, but, getting back- uh, but baseball is the sport that's done the least with this. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, you're saying this with regional television and the regional contracts, the ratings have gone up. So, I mean, it's just people are more passionate about their local teams than they are on a national level watching it where it used to be national ratings where now when you look at it, you're looking at like, you know, with the local clubs and their local markets and what kind of ratings they're getting. But I mean, to your point, it's something they need to speed up the game. There are just other things that are involved here. And it's it's always about like, I mean, look, I mean, any kind of there's a labor contract. This happens in Hollywood when the, the Writers Guild or the SAG, you know, goes out and strike. I mean, I know a lot of SAG members are, you know, just paying, barely paying their dues and everything. But it's a lot about the people who are at the top, too, that are, you know, it's, you know, multimillionaires arguing about over the share of profits. So, I mean, that, I mean, baseball is a, a sport where that's going to happen with the owners and the players. And you do have to think about the rancor that's being created because if they in the problem was that they implement the pitch clock, then the players would get upset at that, which the commissioner could do. And they just don't want to have those tensions prior to a labor agreement. So that could be something that's ironed out in the next few years with more time, more study, more reflection. But at least the players have been able to say things like they'll consider that, you know, at least three pitchers, if you come into a game that can speed things along, because a lot of it's pitching changes. You know, baseball, I mean, at the very beginning of a game, you're watching it, pitchers in a mood and stuff. Then once you start going to all these pitching changes and commercial breaks and one after another, the one thing that it could hurt is we haven't discussed that, but if you have that three player minimum rule, it hurts the lefty specialist because that's a, a guy in the roster, remember, that you would always keep. That one lefty that would come in for one batter, then you'd remove him. Well, if you have to pitch the three straight batters, that's gonna that's something that could eliminate, you know, the lefty role in the bullpen for some for some players. Or you have to be a left hander that's gonna have to learn to get out more, you know, than than that single lefty. If you're yeah, facing how about that? How about a lefty that can get out more than a lefty? Wouldn't that be Yeah, nice? exactly. But I'm saying that that's always one of those things. But they seem more amenable to making that type of change right now. And there are other ways to speed up the game. And they'll continue maybe in spring training. They'll look at the pitch clock, get players more accustomed to it this year, next year, the following years, exhibition games, minor league level, and then can put an end to the contract. But hey, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, this isn't going to happen overnight. But to your point, baseball needs to do things to make it more exciting for the the younger generation. Yeah, one thing we could do just to make things more exciting is 
instead of when you hit a home run, you run all the way around the bases. Let's just assume he's going to run around the bases. Let's like, once you, you see that the ball is gone, you're allowed to like go over to the stands for like 10 or 15 seconds and just like high five the guys like in the stands. Wouldn't that be or take selfies with them? Is that what you want? <laughs> there you go. Now we're thinking let's make this a fan experience, man. <laughs> well, Alex Bregman would be the best at that because they just had a report today that he's baseball's most engaging player with followers on Instagram. Yeah, I'm following him on Instagram, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, saying he is, but they, he's got like over 4 million followers, I think, combined or something on all of it. Then you look at somebody like, you know, Ariana Grande or, you know, Rihanna that has like 60 or 70 million. And yeah, you're like, okay, well, yeah, that. That's where baseball is falling behind a little bit. But hey, Alex Bregman, congratulations. He's at least, you know, as far as like a lot of fans do know him and he's he he definitely has a personality and he's building up his audience. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I was listening to Colin McHugh's podcast and he had on uh, Jeff Passan, you you know, Jeff Passan from uh, ESPN, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I used to be with the Yahoo's now with ESPN. He just moved over there. Yeah, he was saying that uh, the Astros team does as much as anybody as far as fan engagement and he cited not just uh Bregman's Instagram but he he mentioned uh his his YouTube uh channel that he does uh right. he said Colin McHugh with the podcast and then you also have Orbit you're forgetting Orbit and don't forget Justin Verlander and 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 Justin Verlander's got the ultimate uh he's got the ultimate weapon he's got his wife <laughs> So yeah. we got we got Kate Upton also on our side at Astros Day should uh, work in uh, social media. So, yeah, the Astros look they're they're one of the best in the in Major League Baseball, aren't they? Oh, definitely. And the other thing is you have to have charismatic players. Look, a- Alex Bregman's great for the game. Carlos Correa is great for the game. Jose Altuve is great for the game. Justin Verlander is great for the game. That Tony Kemp hugs for homers. George you know? George Springer great for the game. You know, all these guys are, yeah, Tony Kemp. I mean, you just mentioned it. You have likable guys, you know? So, I mean, if it's wrestling, you maybe would want the villain or something there too, but you, you can have that from another team. Speaking of wrestling, I mean, even Josh Reddick, you know, Rick Flair's biggest yeah. fan. He was invited, I think, for his 70th birthday. I mean, birthday. we're really fortunate like now. I mean, we talk about it from time to time. I mean, you and I, again, going back over a long history of watching Houston sports. I mean, this is this is a golden era of Astros baseball. We've got to just appreciate that. we got a great year coming up. But I mean, just having a World Series, we didn't know if we'd ever see that in our lifetimes with all the near misses and the way the organization was. And, you know, especially after all the losing seasons, would it finally happen? And now it's just so exciting. And you've got this great core of players that will forever be etched in our hearts because they won a World Series in 2017. So no matter what, we'll just always have 2017. Right. Uh, You know, so uh but you hope you can build upon that and get more championships. I mean, that's what you know the great franchises do. But for Astros baseball, the environment, the players, uh, you know, just kind of the whole like bond and connection we have this team, that, which was strengthened through Hurricane Harvey, of course. And even over the other sports, like J.J. Watt has a great relationship with Jose Altuve and many of the other Astros and, you know, Carlos Correa, you know, going to Rockets games and Chris Paul and James Harden coming over and watching the Astros. I mean, we are we've talked about this before again, but we are in a golden age of Houston sports. And it's it's we've just got to appreciate it. We've got to love it for what it is right now. You know, waking up and seeing these great athletes in their prime in Houston. Yeah, this will be a age that you're going to tell your grandkids in my day we had this guy named he was five foot five and his name was Jose Altuve and he was the best player in baseball can you believe that yeah you just won't be saying we had to walk miles through the snow with it yeah you can say walking through the the floods and rains yeah I was about to say the the floodwaters 
Uh, it, we, we had to walk uphill through the ticker tape uh, on the streets because uh, of the championship. But, uh, hey, if you want to uh, hear more about the Rockets and Texans, don't forget if you missed it, that was up in yesterday's show. And uh, otherwise, uh, we're going to take off for now. Have a good weekend, everybody, and enjoy the Astros spring training games this weekend. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. Give us a five-star review on iTunes when you get the chance and tell your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.